0: Welcome to the podcast of
1: MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Well, hello, everyone, <laughs> and welcome to MotorWeek podcast number 46. I'm your host, John Davis, and here uh, grouped around our table in Studio C is our road test producer and two-wheeling reporter, Brian Robinson. Glad to be here, Jim. Our associate producer, Ben Davis. Hello, And our road test rider, Ben McAllister. How's it going? Making one of his first appearances, or I should say, uh, audio appearances here on the podcast. Glad to have you with us, Ben. Uh, On this particular podcast, we're going to have our lightning round. We'll also have our MotorWeek mailbag coming up. But first, uh, we're going to look into an electric supercar and a big overhaul at Mercedes-Benz for their R-Class. And we're also going to be grabbing the keys to a lot of new Chrysler products because this company is showing a lot more life uh, not too long after bankruptcy than anybody possibly imagined. So let's jump right into it. Um, Recently we had the new version of the pioneering Tesla Roadster. Uh, This is the 2011 Tesla Roadster 2.5. This is their first update of their uh, uh, all-electric Lotus-based sports car since it came out. They've got something like 50. 1,500 of these on the road. Uh, you could certainly say it is the first practical uh, electric car to be sold in the United States, even though it's a two-seater. Uh, with that said, uh, we all had a chance to at least uh, get a little bit of time in the car. and, and We know a lot about Tesla. They're, they're not a new name in this business. Your impressions? Is Tesla still sort of the leader of the pack? And what do you think about their prospects of being able to produce um, their much uh, more uh, mainstream uh, Model S coming down the line? Well, ben Davis, you start.
2: First of all, it's everything that I would make an electric car if I were going to do it. With my tremendous uh, love of sci fi movies out of the 80s and stuff, every nuance of this vehicle took you into a, a really special. Kind of, uh, you were alone in a class of superhuman beings that own <laughs> these electric cars. You mean
1: because it was cool looking, small? straight out small, of a comic book, it yeah. It looks straight out of a comic book.
2: Good you plug point. the uh, charger into the port and it turns from white light to blue light. It reminded me of the Millennium Falcon when R2-D2 <laughs> <laughs> fixed the hyperdrive. <laughs> it was great. You know, you hit the gas pedal and it goes like stink. Yeah, That's and nice. you don't have range anxiety with this one. You got pretty decent range on there, over two hundred miles, and the performance is incredible. I, I, I mean, I threw it around pretty hard, and uh, I was amazed that the range didn't drop lower than it did. Yeah, it, it really sustains the energy, and it's it's a great, it's a blast to drive. It's a very sophisticated vehicle. It, um,
1: it it's a, you know, I think early on I thought, oh well, you know, here's another, you know, somebody's taking a body from another manufacturer and stuff some batteries and electric motor and actually there's very little in the car that is easily identifiable as Lotus outside of the basic uh, frame and and a few bits on the interior and stuff and the basic suspension but all the drive hardware is unique. The battery system actually has uh, a a separate cooling system uh, which puts it miles above some of the other uh, larger name electric cars that we've seen coming out. I was very impressed with the technology.
3: How cool is it to be going that fast and be making absolutely no noise? Yeah. Well, it kind of sounds insane.
2: like uh, Knight Rider a little bit. Yeah, yeah it does. It does <laughs> which <that>. is
0: def- <laughs> another cool factor. That startup, we- it sounds kind of like a spaceship, though, if you really get on it right off the line. So.
1: Uh, my understanding <laughs> is they have uh, uh, just a huge effort going on with this company now that they've hooked up with folks like Mercedes and Toyota, uh, and they're getting some extra insight there to for this uh, their forthcoming uh, family car, which they're hoping to sell for about half of what the uh, Roadster sells for. Roadster's over a hundred thousand. They're looking for a fifty or sixty thousand dollar five passenger car. It's still a very tall order to build a real family car that's going to meet American expectations for all around quality, fit and finish, and all the rest. But you know there is a, a, an economic saying that says companies that will excel in a, a new uh, technology are generally not the companies that were tops in the old technology. How, how can they get
3: 200 mile range and everyone else is barely, can't even get to 100?
1: Uh, size of the vehicle and weight. I mean, basically it comes down to the Tesla Roadster is very, very lightweight because they started with an extremely lightweight mm-hmm. car yeah. and chassis from Lotus. So it's primarily two passengers lightweight and so everything else got to be downsized from that. And that's primarily how they did that. As you start going up in um, size that, you know, and weight that goes away. And the original Roadster was actually available in two levels, uh, they had a base level that got about half the range they do now and then they had a higher level. So you know, there, there's pure physics involved here. Uh, however, I think it bodes well and says what you can do with any vehicle if you can get, pardon the phrase, the let out, yep. start getting the weight <laughs> out of the vehicles. Uh, and that's an area that we have not explored that much in this country. Yeah, but I think a lot of work's going on for that.
0: Oh, Porsche is already doing it. They've they've figured it out. But they it hasn't like it come. They just do, discovered it.
1: It hasn't come down to. I mean, people have been talking about lightweight cars s- since I was born. You know, yeah. aluminum cars, magnesium cars. But yet, the cost has always been prohibitive. Now, though, you know, everybody wants fuel economy, and so we've definitely turned the corner. Like for the first, you know, twelve years, thirteen years,
3: I was doing this. Every car every model change was heavier by a couple hundred pounds right just within the last couple of years everything's been lighter by a couple hundred pounds
1: and i think so, that's a, a trend that's got to accelerate
0: yeah oh, i'd love to see lighter curb weights love to see it
1: <laughs> yeah a lighter curb weight makes a better handling car and turbos on everything right? and turbos on everything <laughs> go ben go <laughs> all right uh mercedes-benz r-class ben i'm a McAllister. i'll turn back to you on this this is mercedes uh, uh biggest people mover what have they done to it yep. for 2011. Uh,
0: well they have restyled the front end and uh
1: whoop-dee-doo kind of restyled the rear <laughs> yeah uh, well now there's a reason why they did restyle the front end so talk oh, they about wanted that. to
0: bring it more in line with the uh, with the ml because uh, previous to this, it had been just um, it. It had been a class of its own. It really hadn't looked like much of anything. Kind of like a.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, go ahead. Well, they didn't People thought that. it yeah, looked like a minivan, yeah.
0: <laughs> which I I kind of still think it does. But
3: <laughs> you mean like they put a, it. the fact that there's a different grill on there didn't yeah. change that for you?
0: Not really. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they 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 might have thought they could fool me, but uh. so
1: they were a leader in doing a full size crossover and uh when they they owned Chrysler and did the Chrysler Pacifica first and then this came out, but people didn't really understand the concept that it was you know kind of part minivan part SUV part car, and I think you know it, the styling certainly didn't sort of set it apart, so they had a lot against them trying yeah. to just convince people there was something new here.
3: I'm really surprised that it's still around. I thought they would, after two years of not selling, that they would disappear, but they're sticking with it. And, you know, all jokes aside, it is a very, very nice vehicle.
1: It's a wonderful long distance. Yeah,
3: unfortunately, it's not a Mercedes, but uh, it is a very, very nice vehicle.
1: Why do you say it's not a Mercedes?
3: Uh, It's just not at all what I think of when I think about Mercedes-Benz, and I think Mercedes-Benz would probably even appreciate that. I mean, I don't think of a part minivan, part car, part SUV when I think of Mercedes and uh, if I had the money to to buy that vehicle, I think I probably wouldn't. I think there's other vehicles that I would rather have.
1: And its main competitor is the Q7. Would you,
3: which looks a lot more like an SUV, mm-hmm.
2: and which I think I would find more appealing. Mm-hmm. Mercedes has a, a broad face, though. You were saying when you hear Mercedes, you don't think of uh, SUV or minivan, rather. But, uh, I mean, we don't think, uh, when we hear taxicab, we don't think about Mercedes over here. But in Europe, mm-hmm. they do. That's true. And we say heavy truck. We don't think about Mercedes here. You know, but them all. there are some heavy uh, commercial yeah. trucks over well, here. Well, there's a difference between a taxicab,
0: a heavy truck, true. and a minivan.
3: But
2: if anybody's going to do a minivan, and I'm going to buy one, I'm going to look at Mercedes. And get it with the, uh, <laughs> well, the Blue Tech. Really?
0: Turbo diesel V6 with 400
1: pounds of torque. That was pretty impressive. You know, my only problem with all of these uh, V6s that are uh, turbo diesels coming out of Europe is the vehicles they're in are so heavy that you end up getting really not great fuel economy. I mean, 2021, 20, 2022, uh, after, after paying for all the money for a diesel, I mean, my... Uh, You know, GM crossover does better, does that, and a little bit better, and it doesn't have to deal with uh, you know diesel fuel. So, again, I think we were talking earlier about lightweight. They need to get the lead out of these vehicles. You start getting the weight down, these diesels are really going to perform. I'm a big diesel fan, but I'm not sure we've got the right vehicles here for them yet. Uh, I want to move on now to the comeback of the Chrysler Group Uh, since Fiat has taken control of the management. uh, We heard a lot of rumors about things that were happening there, and now we are seeing the results. And really, uh, 18 months after bankruptcy, they're roaring back with some significant changes to their vehicles. Uh, We've seen a great deal of their lineup. Even this week, uh, there was another one unveiled. Who would like to start? What's your impression on the new Charger, the Challenger, the Chrysler 200, the, what they've done to the Wrangler, Durango, Journey, Grand Cherokee? Uh, who wants to start?
0: Well, they've got—they've uh, all got new interiors, and the new 3.6-liter Pentastar V6 is going to figure very heavily. Let's talk uh, about the new the
1: interiors up. first. Because uh, well, that was an area that their products were sorely lacking. Yeah,
0: and oh, they've listened and they've gone back and they've done everything in in soft touch, and it just it looks a lot better. It's a lot more pleasing to the eye.
2: Grand Cherokee's
0: miles ahead
2: of the the previous. Grand Cherokee's a very really nice piece that's of work. That's one
3: that's all new, though. Everything else is pretty much just an update. Is that correct?
1: Um, I mean, not that's correct. Yeah. But you were just driving, uh, Brian. You were just driving the uh, new uh, Journey. Don's Journey, yeah. and you came back with some. Uh, Big, big impression. I was very
3: impressed with it. It's, it's super comfortable, incredibly quiet. I couldn't believe how quiet they made it. And the interior is just, it went from a vehicle that I had absolutely no desire to be in to one that, you know, if I had to go on vacation today and drive across the country, it's probably what I would pick. I mean. So wow. they've done away with the rock hard armrests on the doors? Yeah. The whole new door panel, everything's self-touch. Looks a lot better, a lot cleaner.
1: uh, a little bit of chrome inside just enough to sort of set things off the seams are tighter Uh, i've seen the new interior that's in the new town and country if you know if you want to see a really bad interior go look at the current dodge grand caravan or chrysler town and country Uh, and now when you see the 11 models, even though the gear shift's still sticking up there on the dash, it looks like a totally different vehicle. I mean, the shapes are the same, but just the execution is a a million miles away. It makes a big difference. Makes a huge difference. I was pretty,
3: uh, you know, since the bankruptcy, they haven't really told us what their plans are, or what's going on, and then all of this has come out just recently, and they they definitely went to work. They got a lot of cool stuff coming. I mean. They
1: took the Chrysler Sebring and basically they've redone both the sedan and we see the convertible soon. They've given it a new name. The changes there are so Good extensive. It's call. a beautiful car. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's much like the uh, the looks are a lot like the concept they showed at Detroit last year. That was nothing much more than a rebadged uh, uh, Lancia, but the end result of this was, is very attractive. How about the, uh, I just saw yesterday, the interior of the new Wrangler. Yeah, very pretty, nicely done. That's very nice. Uh, impressions of the Grand Cherokee, their first all-new vehicle. Vehicle that's come out uh since this uh, new management, even though it was designed under Mercedes ownership.
2: Yeah, it's got a lot it's it's a ML-based, and they really um they really brought all the ammunition to the table on this one with uh, as far as sophisticated four-wheel drive systems go and air ride suspension. Um, that's definitely what they need to compete against. Uh, even some of the um, boutique brand uh, uh, European uh, uh, off-wheel vehicles like uh, maybe Land Rover Range Rover right. territory. And it's still available in a base model with all of that uh, candy on it, and that's a competent as well. And you can get a V8 in it.
1: Yeah, you get a V8 where some of its rivals, like the new Ford Explorer, you can't. Very good, co- I mean, it's a terrific comeback for uh, um, a company that has a history of engineering excellence and who had fallen on bad times in recent years. And uh, I hope the uh, it all is very successful for them. It sure is going to be a lot more fun testing their cars than it has been recently. Yep. Okay, let's turn to our lightning round where uh, those around the table here have the opportunity to share their opinions on a topic making the headlines. We'll have sort of a discussion slash debate for two minutes, and then when you hear the bell ring like that, it means we basically hush up and move on. But here is the issue. New rules have been proposed by the feds that would essentially require backup cameras to become standard safety features in all light duty vehicles, meaning cars and trucks. The move is in response to dozens of cases of children being run over by family members. Uh, and the go- Is the government going too far or is this a, a safety move that makes sense?
3: oh man you're gonna make me start yeah why not (laughs) you
1: you took the breath first i
3: have nothing against safety but it's just ridiculous i mean this is gonna add cost to every car and you know just because the fact that you're too busy to you know put your phone down and turn around and look to see if there's a kid behind you doesn't mean everyone else should have to put
0: backup cameras on their cars Uh, i think there's a root cause of the problem and that's that outward visibility stinks on new cars it is terrible
1: why
2: More uh, airbags.
0: D- well, getting back to yeah, well, more airbags, more safety stuff. What you're saying about Head weight, every, in the rear seats. everything yeah. that adds weight uh, detracts from outward visibility. And I don't we know if it's see. just me,
2: but it seems uh, developments around here, new businesses and stuff, parking lots are getting a lot smaller. And well, tighter. they are sometimes, trying it's, to cram more it's, it's cars into in the I mean, I can
3: remember when I was a kid, you know, hearing about so-and-so got ran over by their parents or whatever. Or,
2: yeah, that, that is know. true. But, I mean, A, B, C, D pillars back then, they were yeah. so much smaller than they are now, though. I think everyone's just in a hurry, and they get in the car, and,
3: you know, they're not paying attention to what they're doing. They're so another, trying to get their phone synced up to whatever they got to sync it up with. And,
1: so this is just another Band-Aid on bad driving behavior.
2: And, I, I, I'll i say the counter. I think it is necessary, especially, you know, with all the obstructions and because, intrusions in your vision in modern because cars. Because people
1: do drive badly, or the cars Absolutely,
3: are designed badly. Di- Absolutely okay. so people drive yeah. People that don't take the effort to look behind them to see if there's a child back there are going to look at the screen to see if there's a child back there.
2: Well, I, maybe not so much the screen, but I do like the, I think, Tundra. In the Toyota Tundra, when you didn't get the Highline audio, you could get the camera that showed up in the rearview mirror. And that's
1: probably where most of them are I going I would imagine. To be. It's not a huge yeah.
2: cost adder, and people are going to look at that one more so.
1: The one thing I would, if yeah, I have a neutral feeling about it. I drive a lot of larger vehicles, and I found it very useful. However, I will be the first to admit that I don't always most turn time. around. You need to turn around, but... They need to make sure they've got the lines in there. You know, mm-hmm. when you when they click nice. on so you can see what the parameters are you're backing. But I don't know. It's similar to tire pressure monitoring, you know. Did we really need it, but now we've got it. And we
3: got to pay for it, yeah.
1: yes. Okay, there was a great discussion. Let's move on now to the MotorWeek mailbag. And remember, if you want to submit a question for our podcast, go to our website at MotorWeek.org. And if you are chosen, you'll receive a free MotorWeek T-shirt. We've got one in the mail to... Aaron, he's stationed at Cannon Air Force Base in New Mexico, and here's what he asked. I was wondering why the diesel cars in Europe get so much better mileage than the ones in the U.S. An example, the Audi 1.8 TDI gets around 56 miles per gallon versus VW here uh, in the States about 44 miles per gallon. Who wants to take a stab at that?
0: Uh, well, I'll take a try. Oh, right, right. Um, what I came up with is uh, in in Europe they use the imperial gallon, which is about twenty percent bigger than well, uh, no, U.S. No, no, gallon. No.
1: That's I think he's made the conversion for that. Ah, but right. okay, well, that, case, that could be a factor. Right. That could be a factor that he's that's imperial. Are gallon. these
3: actual mileages or are these like the you know recommended mileage yeah. or the?
1: the um, they're they're actual mileages, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, that's very possible, Ben. I hadn't considered yeah. that. Maybe it is the imperial gallon. I didn't mean to stop you there.
3: Because well, they do their mileage testing differently than we yes, do, as do. far
0: as their yeah. So I don't know if these are actual mileage. Have you ever been at a BMW? They uh, they have a gauge for it. It's always it's always going the opposite of the way where you'd think it would go. Well, uh, for,
1: they do have a different consumption. Uh, not they have a different cycle. I think their driving cycle is completely different. Um, I believe their driving cycle is more continuous speed, where our driving cycle here is. Uh, on again and off again, the throttle. Also, you've got to remember here, the VW's got a 2-liter engine, so no, it's, it's bigger. Um, there's some other things that have to do with it, uh, including the emissions. Emission, well, the, 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 all of these Supposedly tests are done for emissions, say, yeah. but yeah. the U.S. numbers are artificially reduced. Remember over the years, we've had at least two times where the government has artificially reduced all the numbers so that they're more in line with what people actually get. So we're not really seeing the real numbers, and mm. we don't really know what they are. So I guess that we've got several reasons. As Ben said, uh, the gallon may be different. Um, there's a different type of driving cycle. Uh, maybe there's a difference in the, in the uh, engine itself, and there's a difference in the way that the numbers are calculated for public consumption. So that's a lot of stuff.
2: Yeah, Aaron, good luck with uh, take uh, a yeah, yeah. yeah, it's probably not as wide as forty four.
1: I don't think it's as wide as you think. And that brings to a close our MotorWeek podcast number 46. I want to thank everybody who's in the studio with me today, uh, Brian Robinson, Ben Davis, also Ben McAllister. I'd like to thank our audio engineer, Brad Giadello, who's been with us today, our podcast creator, Bob Mixter, and also our producer, Michelle Parker. The Lady with the Bell. Thanks very much for joining us on this podcast. Be sure to watch MotorWeek on your local public television station and also on Discovery HD Theater. Till next time, I'm John Davis. Thanks for joining us. You have been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org. And watch Motor Week, television's longest running automotive magazine series each week on your local PBS station.